Well, it's beginning to look a lot like maybe Christmas will get here and we'll actually be able to gather with our families. Psych! <laughs> Next on Principles and Policies. <laughs> Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principal Policy. And along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaelis. Yeah, good to talk with you again here in my studio. And uh, as often happens, I wonder where you're going with some of these openings. <laughs> now, now I understand you're being uh, you're being ironic. Uh, yes, you could you could put it that way. Yes, <laughs> ironic. Uh, Chuck, you know it's the whole thing that you know. Here we are. We're moving into uh, basically the two weeks before Christmas. Um, we are going to have uh, a lot of people making a lot of plans uh, for family gatherings, for uh, meals, for, you know, all the things that, that go on. But everybody is right now kind of hesitant to finalize these kind of plans because, well, COVID. But is it so much the COVID that's the problem, or is it the fact that you have people out there like from the from Dr. Fauci on down to Dr. DeWine? Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, he doesn't have a medical degree. I forgot. Um, basically, telling people that it's basically a horribly bad idea for you to celebrate Christmas this year. I mean, I didn't realize the Grinch that bag that the Grinch was carrying and the dog that he was whipping was full of COVID nineteen. That was yeah. that's the whole thing. Well, if you recall, in the summer. Uh, late summer there was a meme going around and had mike dewine in caricature oh and yes. it said uh, it said uh will the grinch who stole summer also steal uh fall and the answer was yes and if it lasts until christmas then he will have also stolen winter yes. and christmas yes um now barry i'm gonna be quite honest you and i are in the minority on this and I know that's true. And why is that? Well, it's because if you think about it, folks, and I, I'm I'm going to ask you to put on your thinking caps and your and your uh, uh, critical thinking. Do your critical thinking. Why do, do they have to wear a mask with this cap? They don't have to wear a mask with the cap. Okay, I, I promise, good. no very masks. Um, why, uh, for instance, when someone asks a question? And makes the analogy, for instance, this is just a for instance, this is one of many, that a mask versus a uh, the coronavirus is essentially the same thing as erecting a double chain link fence to keep out mosquitoes. Now, believe it or not, someone said that, and I, I'm trying to find reference to it, but they were, I was being told about it today. Uh, and there was it, it was in print, and it said, fact check. So they got somebody from the Ohio Department of Health to come out and say, I don't know how this meme got started. It's not true. blah de blah de blah blah You know, uh, uh, most of the virus is carried in moisture droplets. All right. Uh, and he goes through the whole thing about moisture, how the mask can prevent the picking up of moisture droplets. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the problem with it? And you'll hear this on the news over and over and over. and It'll stop moisture droplets. It'll stop this and it'll stop that. Here's what it won't stop. And this is where the problem is. Mm -hmm. The virus, 
that's not in moisture droplets but has been aerosolized mm-hmm. into its tiniest particles that are now floating in the air. And by the way, the six foot uh, the six foot limit about standing apart six feet because that's a safe distance. Uh, uh, not a single ounce, not a single gram, if you understand the difference, not a single grain of science. That that virus once aerosolized can travel as much as I, I the way where I've heard it set thirty meters. How Barry? How far is thirty meters? Uh, it's uh, close to a hundred feet. It's a hundred feet. It's close to a hundred feet. Yeah, it, it, it's just short of a hundred mm-hmm. feet. Well, yeah. let's give it a hundred feet just to keep everybody. Yeah. Well, well we want to convert those yeah. uh, that metric system back over into our our good imperial system here. Yeah. Barry and I are sitting in a thirty by fifty pole barn. Mm-hmm. Fifty feet. How far back is that back door at fifty feet? You're not you're, not far enough. <laughs> that's right. Double double that length. Yeah, that's right. It's double that. Length. It's double that length, uh, folks. If you're sitting in a in a in a regular sized home, the the from the front, uh, the longest part of the house is probably around fifty feet. Mm-hmm. Double it. That's how far the virus can spread in aerosolized form. Now, what does that mask do to stop aerosolized virus? Not no, a thing. Nothing. It can't. It cannot. It is physically incapable of stopping aerosolized virus. It goes back to your idea about putting up a mosquito netting that's the double chain a link double large chain, fence. That's right. It's a double chain link fence to stop um, mosquitoes. In, in other words, you are wasting your time. Now, again, in close conversation, if you and I were face-to-face and we both had our mask on, even if we were six feet apart... Um, you know, you when you talk, you spray stuff. Now, what are you doing when you talk with somebody with a mask on? Any germs that you have are being concentrated mm-hmm. inside the mask. Sure. And when I say germs, I mean bacterial. Correct. Uh, not viral. Sure. Bacterial. You are concentrating the virus to some extent because you're you're concentrating the droplets. Yeah. Um, if you have it, and this is another one of the fallacies that's out there. Uh, you. I'm protecting someone else by wearing a mask. No, I have to have the virus to protect someone else. This thing is not, there is an element in the narrative of spontaneous generation. Mm -hmm. In other words, the virus just spontaneously generates because you are engaged in uh, normal personal intercourse and by that i mean talking doing business um chatting joking um that kind of thing in um in normal circumstance yeah because we know i think the experts that uh, was it the cdc or the who said that it was okay to uh, like do uh, anonymous hookups on tinder during covid so the other idea of intimate uh, does doesn't seem to yeah, COVID yeah. doesn't seem to bother that. Right, the other the other use of that of the intercourse word, it, it not a problem. Um, yeah. It also apparently is not a problem if you're involved in a political protest. Well, apparently, yeah, I guess there's it it it, uh, it, it, uh, it it really does like the First Amendment. I guess that's right. <laughs> um, it's it makes you immune from from the virus, um, which which is an absurdity on its face. Um, now, do do the people at the top know this? Yes. Why do we keep getting the scare stories? Why? 
once you get a people convinced, and it doesn't take very long, let's no. say uh, people were convinced of the horrible deadliness of this of this virus, um, and it is deadly, and it is, and it is real. Uh, I don't. Uh, I've had people say, "Oh, you don't, Na- you don't believe in the virus." Wait, 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 stop. Name me a single virus that's ever cropped up in the human biome that hasn't been deadly to somebody. To somebody. Oh, there's a couple around that probably not ones that have attenuated. I mean, when they when they first cropped up, name me a virus that didn't have a death toll with it. Yeah, for the most part, I can't think of anything that's out there. That now, how that, many of these do that, we? Now how many of these have we eradicated? Zero. They have eradicated you, themselves. You, you, well, you've just made my point, though. We live every single day. Prior to March 16th of 2020, we lived every single stinking waking moment day of our lives with a biome that is full of particles of viruses and bacteria and other things that we breathe in, we touch, we absorb through our skin, we do all this other garbage. And that, yes, every single last one of these viruses in the right circumstances with the right set of coincidences or coordinates can be deadly to somebody. But we don't shut down an entire economy. We don't shut down an entire state. We don't basically, right. we don't basically lock people in their homes for any of these other viruses. Now, you know, I got to thinking about this, Chuck, and I need to do some research on this because I haven't yet. Maybe you have. And if you have, that would be great to share it. If not, then that's fine, too. I kind of wondered that since the great Spanish flu outbreak, Mm -hmm. which was 1918, what measures were taken then? See, I'm not really sure of all the measures, and I'm talking in this country. Because, I mean, obviously, just a little bit after that, we get into, like, in the 1920s, and then we get the Great Depression, and we all kind of know the bread lines and all that other stuff from the Great Depression, I don't seem to ever remember seeing or hearing anything about bread lines or whole communities being quarantined or whole states' economies shutting down over the Spanish flu. And it supposedly is the most deadly outbreak we've had in history. Um, that is true. How was quarantining done? Quarantining was done by quarantining the sick, the sick and, and their immediate uh, families. Okay, so... Now, where it, where it took off... Yeah. Believe it or not, the, the origin of the 1918 flu, which, by the way, is H1N1, which we've seen recently. Yes, we have. Uh, just a few years ago. Now, what's interesting about that, just, just as a side sidebar, H1N1, H1N1 has basically ceased to exist or really ceased to exist as a, as a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. Why? Because over time, viruses mutate. And they and every time you mutate, you lose information. That's right. That's right. And you and you. That's the reason why evolution doesn't work, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna learn macro evolution on a micro level here because yeah. the point is 
every mutation is a loss of information. Not, yes. it doesn't You don't gain information. I know of no gains in information from any mutation. No. Yeah. And so, therefore, the idea of progressive evolution yeah. it falls flat on its face due to that scientific right. reality. An organism becomes more and more and more specialized, which means it has less and less and less flexibility. Right, which means it has less and less right. ability to affect larger and larger pools Pop of populations. Right. So, so that seems to be what's happening with, with uh, COVID-19, too. Oh, yes. But nonetheless, uh, so the way they did it was where it took off, believe it or not, it's called the Spanish flu. Yes, it was. You think uh, it, it originated in Spain, right? Nope. Of course no, not. No, it originated, believe it or not, in uh, United States ha! Army training camps. Really? It swept through Army training camps, which means it got the cream of the crop. It got guys mm -hmm. who were young, healthy, and in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, and it just devastated uh, those populations. That's where it started. And some of the guys uh, undoubtedly carried it mm -hmm. um, to over to Europe and that kind of thing. O on the troop ships and that kind of thing, it swept through troop ships. It, tr it swept through the trenches. And it swept everywhere uh, for about a year. Okay. And just as quick, you know, they and they did quarantine and isolate people who had it. Uh, they put them in isolation wards and that kind of thing. And eventually it did essentially... It didn't. It never stopped, but it it slowed to the point where it was no longer a a major issue. And we've seen outbreaks of it. Everybody says, "Oh, the horror! What if H? You know, what if nineteen eighteen flu bug came back? It's come back every winter. It just came back in a different form. It's gotten a little less and a little less and a little less worse each time. Mm -hmm. And essentially." It mutated itself out of business around probably around two, 2010. And that's what happens right. to these things. Right. They become non-entities. Uh, there's an old movie uh, from years ago. And, and it, you get the idea of how this kind of happens. Did you ever see the Andromeda strain? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. And what happened at the end... Uh, they had two people who yes. survived the the epidemic. Do you right. remember? It was a it was an, an alcoholic, yes, and a baby who they couldn't get to That's stop right. crying. Right. And they figured out that one of the problems with both of them was ketosis. In other words, uh, it's also called uh, um, ketoacidosis. Right. Um, you you your the pH of your blood is way off balance. Mm -hmm. uh, the baby because it was crying constantly crying all the time and it's oxygen and co2 levels were all screwed up and the drunk because he had all these ketones floating around in his system because he couldn't stop drinking you're right um which is one of the things uh, diabetics can get this uh, ketosis and that kind of thing okay so what happened at the end do you remember the very end when the guy's testifying before congress yeah vaguely okay the virus escaped they couldn't contain it but what they figured out was they had a film of it mutating. Do you mm -hmm. remember? They looked through the electron microscope and they could see the thing mutating. Yeah. And it kept mutating and, mu and it mutated itself out of business. Out of business. That's so right. they said, it's still out there and still mutating. And who knows if it'll mutate back into something dangerous, but it's still mutating. Yep. That's what happens to a virus. That's what happens and, to a virus. That's and, right. And if you recall, it mutates... By hijacking your cell replication mechanism. 
and whatever creatures that uh, are carriers of this virus. For instance, this appears to have been a mammalian virus brought mm-hmm. uh, with a bat as the original host. Supposedly, yes. Yeah, I have no problem believing that. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I um, tr- trust me. I, I, I'm, I'm well beyond the whole conspiracy theory on that part of yeah, it. But do you, uh, do you remember? The, well, but what was happening? They were raising these bats on purpose to harvest the thing to do research on it. Well, sure. That was the whole point. They were isolating them. Uh, for instance, if you recall, equine flu. Do you remember the equine flu? Not really. Uh, no. <laughs> back, I can tell you, I still lived in Westernville, and we were talking about how bad okay. it was. Uh, Zika virus and that kind now, of thing. Now, Zika, I remember, yeah. Yeah, the equine flu was basically carried by what? Horses. Horses. Obviously. And it was spread by mosquitoes. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Bloodborne. Um, yeah. And uh, it would make, it, it, was, it was causing all kinds of major problems. Where has it been? It's out there. But it's not doing much. It's mutated beyond the point of actually yeah. having any active approach. Yeah. And now, could it mutate back into something? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Something virulent. I mean, it was killing horses, and it was it was killing people. It wasn't killing that many people, but it was killing a lot of horses, and it was causing a lot of problems. I, I'm sorry. Did we shut down the economy for that? No, we did, did we not. force everybody to wear a mask for that? Well, if you recall, there did was... We create, did we create a Gestapo from the Bureau of Workers' Compensation to go in and harass businesses? Yeah, there was avian... Oh, no, we didn't do any of that. There was avian flu. Under the Obama administration? Did we force anybody to wear a mask uh, on that? We didn't force anybody to wear a mask. Did we shut mask? down the economy on that? Nope. Did we create a Gestapo from some agency to go around and harass businesses who won't comply with government orders? Yeah. See, one of the problems uh-huh. this propaganda problem that we have. It's all bad news all the time, except suddenly that uh, what happened? The sun came up and, and the, its rays of light shone upon us with the uh, uh, this... this uh, Vaccine. Mm-hmm. We're all going to, this safe and effective vaccine. Which we've now started trials on, it seems, human trials in what, the UK and other places. Yeah. Oh, what do we have? Yeah. The first two already have had adverse reactions. Healthcare workers have had allergic reactions to something in the, in, in in, the vaccine. In the vaccine. Um, I think this thing's not ready for prime time, Charles. Folks, uh, I, I need to tell you something that may be painful to you. If you're thinking this is going to be your savior, savior and it's going to stop this thing think again it's first of all it's from fetal tissue this is yeah. a fetal tissue virus now you'll have a, you'll, a okay now i'm going to tell you right now chuck you're going to have some groups that are going to piss pass that pro-life groups who are going to argue oh no it wasn't developed it wasn't made with this and it's like well, that's when i stop them i said well, well let's back up one more chain in the in the uh, life cycle of this uh, vaccine the fetal lines were used to do the initial development yeah and i don't care if it was the initial development or the manufacturer use a fetal cell line anywhere in making a vaccine it's unethical right okay and it will create problems now the bigger problem we have chuck is magnified by the fact that this supposed miracle shot that they're talking about is an mRNA right. vaccine. Messenger RNA. What it does is it goes into your cells and it forces your cells to actually create the viral genome in order for your body to create the antibodies to fight it off. That's basically, it, it, it's a, uh, um, it's supposedly an attenuated, the, the mRNA is taken out, it enters the, the, ri- the ribosomes and forces production 
of the proteins. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure. I haven't looked that far into it to see what they're what protein they're producing, whether it's the outer shell mm-hmm. or whether they're actually trying to produce pieces of the DNA. Uh, there, there are different ways of approaching this. There, there have been in the past the old killed virus uh, vaccines basically relied mm-hmm. on dead virus and the uh, protein shells right uh on the virus now not all viruses have a protein shell but most of them that are that are bad news like this one uh, you've all seen the pictures of of covid it's a round ball with all these little spikes, spikes coming, coming off, off of, yeah. the spikes are the places where it connects to the cells um so that it can inject itself into the uh into the the uh, cell uh can inject its uh um I think this is an RNA virus. It injects its RNA, and then it goes over to the cell rec- replication mechanism, and it it basically inserts itself into the and it it turns out copies of itself until your cells burst, mm-hmm. killing the cell, making you feel awful. That's why you feel awful while you have the flu because influenza comes in, uh, takes over your cell replication mechanism. Um causes the cell to produce copies of itself and in which case it bursts and then it goes out and and uh until your body can produce get the uh, uh one of the five or six uh, uh immune uh systems that exist to start kicking out antibodies mm-hmm. or t-cells or some of the other uh methods that your body uses um the uh, um it will it will run roughshod. Your body eventually knocks it out. Mm-hmm. That's why you feel crummy for about three days. Oh man, you feel like ugh, this is awful, awful, awful. With almost almost any kind of flu, you feel just awful, and then all of a sudden you turn a corner, your fever breaks, and mm-hmm. you start to feel better, and then little by little by little. In the meantime, you still have things like a cough uh runny nose uh you feel achy that kind of thing even after you start to recover why is that well because Mm -hmm. a bunch of your cells have been destroyed and the body is trying to clean that up um so you feel crummy until um you know i've had flu cases i've had uh influenza type a which is very similar to this kind of thing Mm -hmm. um uh, I realized when I had it, I said, oh, this is why people die of the flu. Yeah. Because the first thing that happened was my temperature went up to 104, and I was in my mid-40s, which really doesn't happen. That it, mm-hmm. That's a very unreasonable temperature for a 45-year-old man. And also, uh, my lungs filled with fluid within an hour. Wow. Of the onset of symptoms. Um, and, I mean, I'm coughing and hacking, and then I'm, like, writhing in pain while this thing ravages my body. And um, I normally would be out of work three or four days from mm-hmm. a, from an outbreak of a, of a normal virus. This one I was out for, I think, five days. And then I was recovering, oh, gosh, two or three weeks. I yeah, still, that sounds I was, about right. I was still coughing. I was still, uh, you know, coughing to the point where it would give me a headache from the cough. So I'm sympathetic, or empathetic at least, sure. uh, with, with, with these people that are having these symptoms. Uh, and don't let anybody tell you. I, I've read a bunch of articles that are saying it doesn't exist. Uh, don't be absurd. Of course it exists. It's out there. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, um, is it a problem? If you're in the right demographic, it's a problem. But if you're not in the right demographic, it's not a problem. Um, you know, if you're, uh, I, I keep hearing about, oh, the colleges, oh, we're so worried about what's going <laughs> More people die of alcohol poisoning in college than are dying from this virus. There was, at some point, I think I read this statistic, that after schools started, uh, COVID testing began. Mm -hmm. 70,000 college students were tested. I forget how many. I think there were like 20,000 positives. Okay. Three hospitalizations and zero deaths. That does not surprise me in no. the least bit. Now, if you did the same thing with the uh, the local uh, um, nursing home population, mm-hmm. you're going to get vastly different numbers. Yes, um, you're going to see lots of positives and lots of hospitalizations. That's and because several you, usually deaths. in a college age population, you don't have as many or sometimes any comorbidities uh, present. But in an aging population, especially in a nursing home, they're usually in a nursing home because of some other thing, whether it's heart congestive heart failure, uh, COPD, whether it's you know lung issues, uh, renal failures, uh, whatever it might be. There's usually a greater fragility among that population than there is among those other populations you talked about. And so, therefore, introducing a new, whether you want to call it novel or not, but a new uh, viral strain into a population that is already medically fragile is a recipe for problems. Um, That's the reason why people have been so critical of uh, Andrew Cuomo um, in, in New York for what they did about rolling people who tested positive for COVID back into nursing homes and thus expanding the spread rapidly almost exponentially and creating a number of deaths now speaking of the deaths in nursing homes and things i don't know if you caught this but last week um our governor did one of his you know uh two o'clock wine with the wine uh little <laughs> little things as they used to call them um and he talked about how horrible this covid thing was and how in stark county it's so bad they've had to call in a basically a meat freezer chuck to store dead bodies because it was overwhelming the coroner's office with so many deaths because of covid well there's a problem with that little scenario i'm not sure who fed mike dewine this information or if he just decided on his own to pull this out of his hat but it was not correct it was misinformation oh it's bad and what happened is the next day the stark county coroner went on a radio program up in akron and basically said the governor doesn't know what he's talking about we have that extra wagon because we've had a number of overdose deaths that we have to autopsy and we don't have enough and it's overwhelming our staff so we have to figure out a place to put them until we can autopsy them but again he said the only thing that would be related to COVID is the fact that people are, you know, are despondent because of losing their jobs or being isolated, and they're turning to things such as alcohol and drugs, and you're seeing spikes. And, of course, we are seeing that data as it's being pumped out there now, the number of suicide attempts, suicidal ideations, uh, depression, et cetera, um, deaths by overdose are all increasing rapidly. And the vast majority of them are due to, not due to COVID, but due to the governmental response 
to COVID. Yes. And so I'm, DeWine may have inadvertently opened the door on something that he may not he may not be able to close, and that is people starting to understand the the term gaslighting. <laughs> now, folks, yeah. do you understand what gaslighting really is? Well, it's from a famous movie. Well, yeah, of the same name, Gaslight. Ga- Gaslight, okay. yeah. and, but But it's talked about how they used, now, back in the old days, before electricity, when you put on a performance or a show, you had these stage lights that are wrong in front of the stage, and they were operated by what means, Chuck? Gas. Gas. They were gas lights. Yeah, there were other light kind of lights, but and, yeah, gas lights wa- was most and likely. And if you wanted to make people believe or imagine that something was or wasn't going on, you change the intensity of the light by turning it up or turning it down, right? You tried to get people to believe something that wasn't true by the intensity of the light. That's what gaslighting is. Is like you keep telling people something that either isn't true or you are telling them something to get them to believe something is true and you keep doing it consistently enough to where they start doubting their own reason. That they start exactly. they start doubting their empirical evidence in front of them, data, anything that's reliable because they're constantly hearing from a trusted source that's not really how it is. What do you think these weekly, it was daily, now it's down to two or three times a week because it's learning it was starting to backfire. Wine with the wine at 2 o'clock in the afternoon press conferences are all about. It's to feed the media to continue to push that in front of you every single day in every avenue of your life now chuck i'm talking tv i'm talking radio i'm talking print i'm talking billboards well i'll tell you what the next time i see an electronic billboard that says you know you mask up for others i'm probably going to to go off to the side of the road and try to destroy (laughs) the electronics occasionally uh i'm joking about this folks this is this is a satire i'm i'm only kidding I've, i've i've you know i'm a concealed carry holder every once in a while i'm like Gosh, that billboard would look really good with a hole through it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but we are not destructive I, of other not, people's I, personal property. And please don't do that. No, uh, I, I would not advocate for anybody to take I, up and be violent about any of I'm this. I'm joking. I'm kidding. It's a it's a a, a, a it's the part of the sense of frustration. But but, but the whole but, point is, all of this is part of the gaslighting, Chuck. Right. All of this is part of the. Oh, if you wear a mask, you're doing something good for your fellow man. No, you're not. You're actually harming yourself and potentially harming them in the long term because the thing that would help us the most in this whole environment with this new virus is to get herd immunity. And the only way you get herd immunity is if it circulates through the population quickly enough that people build up the antibodies. Now, will people die? Yes, folks, people will die, okay? I got news for everybody, Chuck. In a hundred years, everybody who's hearing my voice is dead anyway. Oh, well, uh, yes. Okay. Now, I, I don't mean to be crude. I don't mean to be cruel to you, ladies and gentlemen. But get your stop the pity parties. We're all going to die. Okay. Eventually, when you are dying from the moment you're conceived. Your cells are growing and they're dying at the same time. Yes. And the fact is, the cell growth outpaces the death until you get to a certain point in your life. And then all of a sudden, it starts turning the other direction, and you things start breaking down. Exactly. You know, um, you don't do as well as you used to. Your cognitive abilities aren't as good. You may have organs that start to atrophy or disease or deteriorate. I know yeah. I've got one. I had one I had to take out a year ago. Um, 
your you head toward our ultimate end, which is temporarily death. Here's the deal. In development, if some of the cells don't die off, you have a major problem. Yes, you would. Now, given stages, some of the cells have to either die off or change mm-hmm. to be taken over by other cells. True. So, um, you know, some of the original cells that you started with aren't there anymore. They're yeah, I don't think I can scrap and get my, get my uh, stem cells and it be the stem cells of when I was an infant. It's no. just that doesn't happen. Um, you brought up a good point, this gaslighting thing. Do you, you've seen Gaslight. Oh yeah, it's it's actually okay. the originals are really kind of a cool movie. <laughs> Ingrid Bergman, Charles Charles Boyer, Charles Boyer, yeah, now, that's right. <laughs> how did he convince her that that what he was that she was going mad? How did he manage to pull it off? What did he have to do to her besides doing all the weird things? He kept her isolated. He kept her isolated. That's right. He kept her away from her friends and from from, and from, from her natural, normal, daily run of life. From other sources of information. information. That's right. He cut what's off go- her information. What's going on with big tech? They're cutting off all of our They're sources of information. They're cutting off all sources. Of, you have to go out to really obscure places to really find anything that's contradictory or well you, okay i don't know if you heard but just yesterday youtube the uh, the video streaming service just announced that they are going to block ban or take down any content that challenges the fact of biden winning the presidency okay this is a golden opportunity for rumble if you know what rumble is ladies and gentlemen go out to rumble.com it is an upstart uh, YouTube replacement. Yep. Uh, people like Dan Bongino are owners. And right. He's, he's right up front. I, I own a, por- I a own piece of it. He goes, I don't own the whole thing, and I don't put a, didn't put up all the money, but I own a piece of it. And he said, if we can't get ahead now, we can't get ahead. Because what he's saying is, this is a declaration of war against the truth. It is. And so... We don't essentially uh, uh, censor you on Rumble unless it's something grotesquely offensive. Right. Um, I've gone out to Rumble. If you it, go out and put pornography up there, they're going to take it down. They'll take okay, it down. Yeah, that's just all they um, But I've been out to Rumble. It has deep potential. And especially with guys like, for instance, I, I, I watch a guy who's sort of, uh, he's a satirist. Sure. His name's Mark Dice. Okay. Have you seen Mark Dice? No, I've not. Mark Dice um, does a lot of political satire. He'll 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 take. Uh, he's merciless on uh, uh, Brian. What's his face from CNN? Uh, uh, Brian Stelter. Stelter. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's merciless. He'll run a clip of him talking, but he takes the sound out and he goes like this. <laughs> Trump did this. No, Trump did that. Oh my! And and I mean, it is merciless. And I mean, it literally, uh, Stelter has admitted that's made him cry. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, why would you admit this? I mean, Dice is even saying, "I have." But guys like Dan Bongino, oh, okay, he came out with a thing yesterday. He says, "I'm telling you, it was stolen, and I dare them to take it off because okay. I'll just go over to to Rumble." Okay, while we're talking about this concept of gaslighting, let me. Okay, you just brought something up that's another form of gaslighting, ladies and gentlemen. It's called emotional manipulation. Yes. 
oh, you know, I'm offended by that. Oh, I'm I'm triggered by that. You've made me cry. You've hurt my feelings. Uh, you're a homophobe, uh, blah, 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 name white the, supremacist. Name the thing. All of this name-calling garbage from the left is gaslighting, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it is. It's to get you to doubt the fact that you hold to standard moral and traditional values and they're somehow wrong for you to hold those and if they yell at you loud enough and long enough they can get you to break and get you to start doubting your own belief system bingo you got to put a stop to that okay i'll let you get back to bongino here in a second but this has just got me on a, on a tear here rod Dreher, who's a not necessarily the most conservative. He's the guy who wrote Crunchy Cons. If you right. remember that about the green right. green conservatives, has just written a new book. And I have a copy of it, and I'm reading it for a book study. It's called Live Not by Lies. And what he's doing is he's breaking down the whole idea of what we're just talking about, Chuck. That's the whole gaslighting that's going on in our entire culture through the communist Marxist movement that started. He, po- he pegs it back to 2015. Okay, he pegs it back to a couple of events like around the gay rights movement. Remember when the Indiana pizza shop basically said that they wouldn't supply stuff for a same-sex wedding, and all of a sudden they had to shut their pizza shop down for yes. two or three days because yeah. they, because everybody's screaming and yelling. He kind of pegs it around that. Okay, that that kind of was like the first real eruption in what is a uh, a. Uh, earthquake of the landscape of of how we believe um it's a very interesting book so far i'm only a couple chapters into it but it's a very interesting book so far uh of course you've had a number of what i would consider your sjw uh fish who've come out and basically poo-pooed him that he's he's so wrong because you know we need to be more progressive like that's ever helped anybody um but you know it's a very interesting thing but his whole title of his book have you ever heard that title before live not by lies it it is the final letter that alexander solzhenitsyn sent to the Uh people of russia as he was being exiled from russia Basically telling them the communists are going to gaslight you. They are going to make you try to doubt yourself. Don't be a part of living the lie. Live by the truth, even if it costs you everything. And folks, that's where we are getting to in this culture. And God help us. Because he's the only one who's going to be able to. Yes. Because, it, I mean, it's, it is, it's inundating every pore of our body politic, Chuck. Like I said, radio, TV, print, social media, billboards, you name, getting people to turn against each other and fight each other over a piece of cloth. You know, screaming about how you want me to die because you're not going to basically, you know, kowtow yeah, to yeah, what yeah, the yeah. government tells you to do. Yeah, you won't wear a mask. And therefore, you're killing me. Right. Again, this is why I said at the beginning, wearing a mask to protect somebody else is stupid because you have to have the virus to give it to somebody else. We don't have spontaneous generation caused by non-mask wearing. Right. It doesn't happen that way. Uh, if you don't know what I mean by spontaneous generation, it's an old theory about how life generated. You throw, you throw garbage and rags in a corner and rats are made. 
Yeah, I don't think so, but okay. Uh, and it doesn't work that way. I th- that, that's been proven false numerous times. Numerous times. Um, and it's easy to prove false. You can do it yourself. Uh, you know, uh, I, don't e- I don't even need to go in that. Um, but that's what it means. And, and this whole g- idea of gaslighting, you have to isolate people from other ideas. Right. One thing we have to keep in mind, when, when you hear follow the science, now a friend of mine told me today, <laughs> He went into a store, and he says, <clears throat> just to keep the peace, I put a mask on, but I put it under my nose. Because right. he wears glasses like me, and they makes your glasses fog up. It's a pain. Yeah. So uh, uh was under his nose, and, and somebody said behind him, who was not part of the, uh, um, you know, was not an employee of the store or anything, sure. said, you know, you should really put your mask up over your nose would you do that and he said oh the guy turned around to him and says oh you want me to follow the science and the guy says yeah exactly so he reached up and he took his mask off right exactly because the, he said the science says this thing is worthless worthless to detrimental yes absolutely so i bet that guy f- completely <laughs> flipped out yes but one of the employees in the store laughed <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's true I went into a place the other day, Chuck, okay? And, of course, they had all the signs up on the door. And I walked in, and I said, do we really have to do this? And they were like, you don't tell me how to live. I don't tell you how to live. There you go. And I'm like, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a matter of conscience. This yeah. is, this is we, we've had issues in church um, with people who were like, well, you know, the governor says that, we, that it's a mandate. Uh, and, they, they you know, when are the elders going to? announced this from the pulpit and i said we're we're not going to because we are interposing right uh if you don't know what that means folks uh, elders are a form of lesser magistrate Mm -hmm. now where does that come from it's a biblical uh concept but not necessarily in those words that those words come from john knox yes they do john knox talked about uh uh interposition of the lower magistrate yes he did and the way he he said that the lower magistrate has not only a right but a duty to resist the greater magistrate if he is practicing a tyranny if he is outside the bounds of the powers of his office if he's violating romans 13 if he's in violation of romans 13 if if he's punishing good and rewarding evil it's a bad thing um and basically, I said, we're not, I said, believe me, the elders have come close to, to blows on this particular issue over the particular interpretations of Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, mm-hmm. which talk about the civil magistrate and his authority. Um, we live in a society that's vastly different from the biblical society where those things were uh, where those, uh, those were written, mm-hmm. in that uh, Caesar essentially had limitless power. Yes. And his governors were acting as plenipotentiaries for Caesar. In other words, right. they were acting as Caesar in their in their jurisdictions. True. And they could do just about anything they wanted to. Yeah, like Herod. But even if you think about the uh the crucifixion of Christ, um Pontius Pilate was at the mercy of the mob. Yes, he was. Because his job was in part to keep order in a very a uh, difficult part of the world. The Jews were noted for being notoriously uh, 
antithetical to re, uh, rule from outside. Certainly, and you also had the zealots who were, you know, the zealots who wanted to overthrow overthrow the, the government the, to start. With. Yeah, you had. Well, I, I to segue just for a second. Um, there were there was a four way conspiracy to kill Christ. That's true. There were the Herodians, uh, the zealots, the uh, uh, Sanhedrin, and then uh, uh, Pontius Pilate. Right. Now Pilate was sort of the guy who was being manipulated into the thing. He didn't really want anything to do with it. The other guys. Uh, the zealots, if you look at the motivations behind each one of those groups, entirely different. Sure. Pilate wanted him to go away because it, it was stirring up trouble. The Herodians wanted him out of the way because he was making Herod look bad. Mm-hmm. The zealots didn't really want him out of the way, but they wanted to use him as a martyr. Right, so they could uh, put forward their own political viewpoint. And the Sanhedrin wanted him put to death as a heretic. Right, because he was undermining their authority. He was undermining their authority. So you got a four-way conspiracy. Okay, yes, you do. Going back to where we were, which I've now forgotten. Uh, oh, no, the, the lesser magistrate. Yes. The doctrine of the lesser magistrate uh, basically says that, uh, um, for instance, in America, our magistrates here aren't limit, are not uh, limitless. We have, they have constitutional limitations. The, the real law that they operate under is the law of the land, both at the federal level mm-hmm. and the state level. Right. Um, there are limits to the power of the governor. Now, it's true. I've talked to attorneys who were telling me, oh, no, he, uh, DeWine has this power. And I go, he does not read the law. The right. law says he has the power to quarantine the ill. Isolate and quarantine those who are sick. And, and their immediate mm-hmm. families. Right. Um, those who have had contact. Um, he does not have the right to quarantine the well and shut down business. That does not exist. Now, we'll see what happens with this uh, veto override. If we ever get to it. If we ever get to it. Because uh, I hate saying it, but the Senate could have taken it up yesterday and chose not to. So, okay, folks, I'm going to tell you right now. When's, when's the date of, of adjournment? Have they said uh, well, technically, it's December 31st. Okay. Okay. But they usually adjourn earlier than that. Right. They usually they adjourn to, like right after Christmas, but this go, time they may not. So They don't sign ED, but they adjourn. They, uh, they, well, yeah, uh, no, uh, when they do adjourn, they, it is sign ED. Even uh, though, I'm yeah. thinking, not adjournment, but they, uh, uh, they, uh, recess they recess. They recess. They recess. Um, but uh, contact your... Uh, Contact your senator. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they need to hear about it. They need to hear about this, um, and you know they don't want to deal with it. I'll be quite honest. And, and what Chuck is talking about is the over, is the override of the governor's veto on Senate Bill three eleven three eleven, which is a piece of legislation that would require that the governor can do a health order, but that the legislature gets oversight and then they can, by a concurrent resolution between the House and Senate, uh, end the orders. So they end up becoming the final arbiter how long an order goes or what extent it has. Uh, and the governor doesn't like that idea uh, because, well, he's been living arbitrarily now since about March of this this right. year. And uh, this is finally the legislature uh, having more than enough. God help them. He, they should have cracked down him in April of this year. But, okay, so we're in December, and so we're finally trying to get it done. But we have some competing problems, Chuck. And I'll tell you what some of those problems are. The first and foremost problem, and this is a just a you know 
flat-out understandable problem. You have a number of the members of the legislature who have contracted COVID, and they are isolating, so that means that they will not be coming to the state house to vote. Your problem is, is that with a veto override, it takes three-fifths of the members of each chamber in order to sustain a override of a veto of a governor on a bill. Yeah. Now, in the House, that means they need 60 votes. There are 64 Republicans in the House right now. Okay? 30, uh, 60, yeah, 64 and 35, I think, is the numbers. Um, they will not get a single Democrat vote. All right? Not on this. The Democrats voted against it on the floor as a, as a as a unit. There were no there were no stragglers. Um, the problem is that of the four members of the House right now that are out with COVID, two of them are Republicans. Of course, which gets you down to how many from sixty four? Sixty two. Okay, you have at least two members of the chamber who more than likely won't vote with you because they've shown in the past their willingness to break ranks and try to protect the governor. And that's Dave Greenspan from Cleveland, who's actually on his way out the door at the end of the year because he lost his reelection in his district, mainly because he's a squish. Yeah. He, you know, nobody had any confidence in him, so he lost to a Democrat. Well, God bless him and good riddance. But that means that the governor can dangle out a lovely appointment to some board commission or agency position where he can make a lot more money as long as he just, you know, uh, keeps the governor happy. And how do you keep the governor happy in this? You vote against overriding or you don't show up or you withhold your vote. The other one's Gail Manning from up in Lorain County, who basically has historically been a curmudgeon on this kind of stuff anyway. And uh, there's really no, I mean, even the claim, Cleveland Plain Dealer ran an article highlighting these two specific members of the legislature as the reason why they might not be able to get an override, okay? It isn't like this is some kind of like inside baseball that nobody knows about. Everybody's on the hook that, yeah, these two could be trolling for an appointment from DeWine. Oh, sure. Who is more than able to hand it off to them in order for them to block the ability for, for him to have his power curtailed. Same thing applies in the Senate. But the key person in there is not the fact that there's COVID. I mean, they've had, they've had a few senators who've had it and come back. Uh, Nobody died, Chuck. Okay, I'll just tell you that right now. Nobody died in there from COVID, but they've had it. But the outgoing Senate president, Larry Alpoff, who's done at the end of this year, really, really, really wants to be appointed to a a judicial uh, seat, probably on the circuit court, you know, the district court or the circuit court. Who do you think makes those appointments? Yeah, the gov. Governor DeWine makes those appointments. Who's making noises about accommodating the governor right now and who didn't call up a, a veto override vote on Wednesday when all of their members were in the chamber? Larry Alpoff. Coincidence? Most people don't think so. Yeah, I knew somebody in a in a uh, in a band that was called Coincidence Maybe. Coincidence no, maybe. It's yeah. not coincidence, <laughs> right. maybe. Yeah, it's right. not a coincidence. It's not at a all. coincidence at all. Um, no. But but anyhow, so so will we get to the fact that we can curtail the governor's uh unlimited and unconstitutional authority here? I don't know, Chuck. I really don't know. But 
the longer they have to stay in, the more pressure is going to be put on them to do that override because it's sitting there staring them in the face. And they have, but they have until the end of the year. They're not on a, the governor had 10 days to decide to sign or veto that bill once it was presented to him. Once he vetoes it, they have as much time as they need to the end of session to override. Yeah. And once they override the vote, that's it. If they both get to their, the 60 in the House and the 20 in the Senate, and that's the vote, then that law goes into effect. This is part of what we've been talking about because a lot of people will not feel motivated to do that because they like what DeWine's doing. They like uh. that DeWine's got his boot on their neck. And if you if you are, think he's doing a good job because he's not, you like the boot on your neck. I'm sorry to put... Or, or put you it. like the boot on somebody else's neck. You like the boot on somebody else's because neck. Because you remember, the governor has already shown his proclivity to decide determine yeah. who is and isn't essential well, in, the, in, this, in this environment. Now... So you get a greater understanding of this. Go to principledpolicy.com and listen to the show for last week. Yeah, that's it. The twelfth on the fifth. Yes. It would be the show for the fifth. Let we talk about the governor's powers, why he has too much power, and why especially a uh uh why um term limits have essentially given him far too much authority true him and the party uh but strictly speaking uh the governor is the party at least uh i mean he's in charge of who, who all the upper echelon appointments are mm-hmm. for the most part um and don't get yourself the republicans are is chock full of rhinos how do you think we got john Kasich for two terms um and the fact that oh, you mean John Kasich, who's now basically trying to uh, browbeat and um, gaslight, since is. we're going to be using that term, yeah. to gaslight the eighteen states who have sued at the U.S. Supreme Court over the election yeah. results in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. So John has decided he's going to become their moral conscience and tell them they're all wrong for doing this. Uh, well, he's being joined by somebody, Chuck, because just today. As we record this on Thursday, our own Attorney General, Dave Yost, who's never been a Trump fan, folks, just filed a brief with the United States Supreme Court asking them to A, take up this Texas case, but B, rule against it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, okay, I've always had an issue with Dave Yost and his, shall we say, loose interpretation of the 10th amendment <laughs> provisions in the united states constitution this just doubles down on stupid um i don't care how partisan you are republican democrat conservative liberal there is no legitimate reason for dave yost to be doing this no other than a radical misinterpretation of the 10th amendment to the constitution a deliberate misinterpretation and a misinterpretation of the fact that we're dealing with the idea of electors which is a constitutional guarantee right and has being is being abrogated by now piles of evidence showing that there was fraud and deception and false ballots being pumped into this thing in order to take in order to steal an election. Uh, I mean that vi- that video from Philadelphia of those suitcases yes. full of ballots being pulled out in the middle of the night and run through the machines when nobody was there to watch them. Folks, come on. You don't store live ballots that are legitimately cast in a suitcase. They are in the ballot boxes. They are in the voting machines already. Those were whole cloth. Well, guess what? 
It was gaslighting. I'm they fr- want you to believe that those are legitimate ballots. There, there was a story that ran, and I can't find it now, so which means it's fallen into they, the they, gaslight black hole. So, in other words, uh, uh, when, the the spirit of Winston Smith is alive and well. Uh, Winston Smith, if you don't know who that is, 1984, he was his job was to sit in the Ministry of Information and make information that was uncomfortable to the regime disappear. Right, that's right. Go down the memory hole. Go down the memory hole. Uh, okay. Uh, essentially... Uh, these Dominion voting machines were fed um, votes for Trump and uh, Biden in equal amounts. And guess what? The uh, Let's say 200 votes, 135 of them came out for Biden and 65 came out for Trump. Right. But there were equal numbers but going into the But they were equal numbers fed in. So there was what a twenty? I think it was what a twenty-six percent, um, yeah, weight to Biden. Yes, already coded into the machine's exactly. algorithm. Into the algorithm. Now you couple that with sending the data out of the country to be counted. Always a wonderful idea by there. dubious uh, in dubious regimes. Yeah, and you've got. It's beyond cheat by mail. Barry was describing cheat by mail. Yeah, that's uh, there was a there's a sworn testimony out there now that said uh, I saw active military ballots from people from Canada. Yeah, who were 71 years old. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? Chuck, there's a great article on zerohedge.com today, and it breaks down each of the four states, the facts, the the violations, and the and the evidence for the the lawsuit. I want to go. I want us to link that to our page, and maybe we'll talk about it. If this thing's still boiling next week, which hopefully it'll be done by next week, if this thing's still boiling next week, I really want to go over that. We didn't have time to today, but with, that will be a link on our principalpolicy.com webpage. You can go to the, to, to the show date for this week, which is the twelfth, and you will find that link for this for this article. And I would I would give you a, a lot of idea to read that because it breaks down succinctly each of the things in each of the states that's problematic and is pro- part of the basis for the lawsuit. Now again, 18 or now it's up to 21 states I think has has joined Texas in this lawsuit, but Ohio's attorney general decided to take us the other direction. Because he, along with John Kasich and Mike DeWine, are never Trumpers. So yeah. let's not kid ourselves. Uh, folks, keep that in mind. When, when it comes to guys, 2022. When, when these guys re-election. are all getting ready to run for another office. Or for re-election. Or for yeah. re-election. Um, the, uh, um, by the way, uh, just as a, I went to Zero Hedge and it says mm-hmm. that we could have an, uh, an Aurora Borealis tonight. Ooh, that's nice. So if it's not cloudy where you are, go outside and look to the north. Uh, See get, a light show. Get to a dark sky. It's a possibility. It's never a guarantee. Uh, when I lived in Michigan, you know, I lived in Michigan 11 years, and I never saw never one. Was able to see one. Every yeah. time it would say, oh, it was a spectacular one tonight, I'd go out, and, and it was the clouds as thick as pea soup. Of course. So people were like, you know, up north that have clear skies, are like, oh, it's beautiful. It's pink. It's green. It's, you know, filaments. And I'm like... And I see the glow of mercury lamps bouncing off pea soup. Mm-hmm. So, oh well. In any case, um, that that's uh, something to look forward to. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll dig up this this. Uh, uh, but you know, I have something of a prediction about this. I think the Supreme Court, if they decide to 
go with it. Mm -hmm. Their option at this point is to say, this is so fraudulent, we can't deal with it, it goes to the House. Well, see, that's the whole point, is that's probably the only route that, there, that can yeah. be taken, is we can't certify the elections in these four states, therefore we can't seat the electors, therefore nobody has an electoral majority, therefore it goes to the House. It goes to the House. That, that is how the Supreme Court could... And plus, it's a built-in punt yes, for it is. them. absolutely is. That's all I have to do. Now, Roberts doesn't want to deal with it. And remember, when it gets to the House, every state gets one vote based upon their majority congressional representation. That's right. And we now have 28 states that have majority Republican representation. That's right. That's right. So, you know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.